Welcome to the Hope Collective Message Podcast, where we find a confident expectation of a better tomorrow in the character and promises of God. To learn more about who we are, visit thehopeco.com. Here's today's message. So I'll be reading from 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. This means that anyone who belongs in Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That is the word. Thank you, George. Thank you, Nodell, for the reading of the word. Good morning, everybody. I have just decided that one of my favorite things about this new space is this table. (laughs) Those of you that know our old space know that the old table was about up to my chin. So this is fabulous. This is a very nice surprise. Anyway, I digress. It's great to see you all. Uh, Happy Sunday. Happy, happy first Sunday of October. Uh, I don't know how we already got here, but all of the Halloween things are already out. I'm digging Jeremy's uh, costume this morning. It's fantastic. Uh, and you can tell that like the holiday season in general is just upon us because all of the Halloween stuff is out. We've got the Thanksgiving decor is already on display, and I'm pretty sure there's a section at Hobby Lobby that already has all things St. Patrick's Day ready for us. <laughs> It's coming. Just got to be prepared. As we're kind of getting into the midst of this new season of life, as we're pressing into the fall, we're also pressing into a new season as a church and kicking off a new series this Sunday, all about this idea of spiritual formation. And we're getting into this series at, as a team, as we've been talking about it and praying about where, where is God moving us as a church? What is he taking us into? We believe that this is coming at a pretty pivotal season, not just for this church, this local expression of the global church that we call the Hope Collective, but also for the Big C Church. As our culture and society and the church at large is dealing with these issues of what do we do now that kind of the church's standing in society is changing? How do we respond to the way that people are looking at us or the things that are happening and what kind of people do we want to become? Because for too long, church has been a place where people have been invited but not changed. For too long, we have had an idea of God and a form of godliness but no power to go along with it. And so what does it look like for us actually to take steps towards becoming the kind of people that God always intended us to become? And that has everything to do with this idea of spiritual formation. 
And so as we kick off this series, this is really going to be where we're going to be for the next eight weeks, is having a conversation about this idea of spiritual formation, which we'll unpack as we go along. But because we're starting off right off the bat, uh, you, you may have heard me say before, it's not my words, but I think great words to live by, is clear as kind. So we want to make really, really clear the expectations for what this series is going to offer and what you can expect from all of this. So this series, our goal for this entire series is to empower every single person in the Hope Collective. To empower the Hope Collective both as individuals and as a body to play a meaningful role in our own spiritual formation. We want to equip and empower every single person who calls this place home, every single person who is part of this community to have the agency and the equipping to be able to participate in the work that God wants to do in their own souls and for us to be able to be part of that work in one another's lives. So that's our goal. And with that goal in mind, things may look a little bit different here on a Sundays. Our gatherings may have some things that may be new or new elements to them because we don't just want to invite you to hear things. We're actually going to invite you to do things. Not just hear stuff, but do stuff. So that's going to be your next expectation. Our our goal, our purpose, is to equip you to play a meaningful role in your own spiritual life and then also to play a meaningful role in the spiritual life of others. And so we're going to invite you to do stuff over these next eight weeks. And you're going to have the opportunity, because we make suggestions and you make decisions, you're going to have the opportunity to say yes or no to those. And if your desire is to become more like Jesus, and if you are willing to say yes to those things, and this is going to be a really fun next eight weeks. If that is not where you find yourself, if this is a place where you just want to come and spectate, you are welcome here, but there will be tension in that because you will be forced to constantly have to say no to things over these next eight weeks. And you have the freedom and the privilege to do that, but we, again, we want to be really clear about what we want and what you can expect from this space. And because I'm an introvert who does not like surprises, I want to equip my fellow introverts who do not like surprises for the thing that we are going to ask them to do at the end of this service. So in about 30 minutes, I'm going to ask each and every person in this room to respond to a question. And the question is this. What is one thing that stood out to you from the message? That's it. Simple question, what is one thing that stood out to you from the message? Doesn't have to be the main point, doesn't have to be the most important thing or the perfect thing in your mind, just what is one thing that stood out to you from the message? We're going to give you some time to respond to that, and then I'm going to invite you to find someone next to you to share your one thing with. Do not look around and find that person right now. But I'm going to invite you to share that with someone with you either someone you came with or somebody who, you know, you haven't met before, but hey, you're going to meet them this morning. But to share that one thing so that we can practice not just being hearers of the word, but people who think about the word, who talk about the word, and eventually go and do something about the word that God gives us. So, heads up, that in about 30 minutes, we're going to be doing that. The other expectation to keep in mind for this is because we're going to be talking about this big idea of spiritual formation, which kind of wraps together all these different themes, we're going to be talking about a lot of scripture each Sunday. 
So we're not going to be zeroing in most Sundays on one specific part of Scripture or one narrow set of verses and kind of teasing out everything that's in there. Because these are themes that really run through the entire biblical story, we're going to be talking about lots of Scripture and dropping in at different places, but tying all of these themes together. So just some expectations for that. And finally, because we're going to be talking about more of kind of abstract ideas, as we were talking... Uh, Jeremy and Dave and myself about these series, we came to the conclusion that we kind of need, a, we need an image. We need something that kind of ties all of these big ideas together. And we look to scripture to say, okay, what is something that God gives us in scripture that really takes this idea of, of growth, of becoming more like Jesus and all of the complexity and the depth and the beauty and the challenge and the dynamics of all of this? Is there an image that scripture gives us that brings all of that together in a way that if we think about it, will unfold over time as we're guided by the Holy Spirit. Is there an image that scripture gives us that can tie all of these ideas together when we're gonna be talking about these kind of abstract concepts? And the picture that came to mind as we looked at scripture was the image of a tree. Trees are things that we see every single day, but don't often take the time to notice. And yet on the very first pages of scripture, the destiny of humanity is wrapped up with this idea of the tree. In Genesis 1 and 2, God creates the universe and in his good creation, he places a garden. And in that garden, it says that he placed, uses the same word for these two things. He places two things. He places humans and he places two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. From the very beginning of humanity's story, our fate and our destiny in our life has been tied to this idea of the tree. Not only is this tree present at the beginning of the story, but it's present at the end of the story as well. If you fast forward to Revelation 22, what began as two trees, now there's only one. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil on which humanity staked its rebellion is gone. And the tree of life remains bearing fruit in season and whose leaves are used for the healing of the nations. There's a tree at the beginning of the story. There's a tree at the end of the story. And in the very middle of the story, when everything changes, there is a tree on which Jesus dies, gives his life for us, and in so doing offers new life to anyone who would choose to follow him. This idea of the tree is so baked into what it means to grow and follow God and live within his kingdom that in Psalm 1, when the psalmist is reflecting on, if I'm going to talk about a person who lives within God's will and God's kingdom and follows his instructions, what is that person like? In Psalm 1, he says that person is like a tree planted by streams of water whose roots dig deep and do not wither and who bears his fruit in season. There's something about this image of the tree that scripture is inviting us to pay attention to, that if we're willing to see it, we can see so much of what it means for us to grow over the course of our life. Because when you think about it, this idea of the tree, God's, God created trees for a purpose. Like they exist for a reason. Trees exist to give life to the world around them. And that purpose determines the pattern that they live out, even as they rely on a power that is outside of themselves to grow and bear fruit, to give life to the world around them. 
Trees grow in a predictable pattern across their life, but also grow in these repeating seasons over and over again. They bear fruit that lasts, and they have this incredible ability to reach their roots and branches towards sources of life. But no tree thrives outside of a relationship with a forest, with other trees. And when we think about this image and how it all ties together, we think about what it means for us to be human and how we grow. We were created with a purpose. There is something that God intends for us that determines the pattern that we live our life in, even as we rely on things outside of ourselves to give us our very life. Just like each and every tree is the same, every human is the same. Every tree has the same four parts, roots, branches, trunk, and leaves. Same, same thing, over and over and over again. And yet, there is such an incredible variety in trees that thrive in different environments and offer different things, and yet each and every tree is unique. The same is true for humanity. We are all the exact same, while at the same time being very different from some people, and very similar to others, and entirely unique, all at the same time. We grow through different stages in our faith and across different seasons, bearing fruit that God designed us to bear, and in so doing, have the ability to reach out towards sources of life, and yet we will not thrive unless we allow our lives to be shared with others and allow others to share their life with us. There's something about this image of the tree that scripture is inviting us to pay attention to as we ask the question, what does it mean to grow? And so we're using this image to kind of tie all of these ideas together and also something that we can hang on to once the series ends. Because after the end of eight weeks, your spiritual formation journey will not be over. It is going to continue for literally ever. But to have this idea and to see this symbol over and over in our daily lives that reminds us of what does it look like for us to become more like Jesus. That's why we're using this image, and that's what we'll be referencing over these next eight weeks. So all that by way of introduction and expectations, clear as kind. But that tees us up for kind of the first conversation that we're going to have about this idea of spiritual formation. And again, spiritual formation is this concept that I'm the spiritual formation pastor, uh, which you've probably heard me say before. I love this title because nobody knows what it means, and I just kind of get to fill it with something. No, that's not true. But spiritual formation is this idea... At the end of the day, spiritual formation is the process of becoming more like Jesus. It describes the work that God is doing in us so that we can be a part of the work that he wants to do through us. But why is this important? Why does this idea of spiritual formation even matter? Why does God want us to be more like Jesus? Why is this so important? Just like a tree has a purpose that determines everything else about it. Trees exist to produce life. They bear fruit. They provide shelter for animals and birds. Even when we cut a tree down, we use it for fire. We use it to build our homes. Everything about a tree, its purpose is to give life to the world around it. And that determines whether or not we can see that a tree is healthy, how we see if it's growing, 
how we connect trees to other trees, what they do in order to grow. Everything about a tree and its life stems from this idea of purpose. We need to understand what God intends for us if we're going to understand what it means for us to grow. So what is the purpose of spiritual formation? What does God want out of this? The purpose of spiritual formation is mission. But that word is a word that we need to spend some time unpacking. Because for a lot of us, when I say the word mission, you may hear and think of missions, evangelism, outreach, overseas ministry. That's part of it, but that's not nearly all of it. Mission is God's intention for all creation. Missions helps accomplish that, but mission in this big category is God's intended purpose for all of creation. So what is God doing in the world that informs what he wants to do in each and every one of us, the work he does in us so that he can do his work through us? If we're going to have this conversation about spiritual formation, then we need to understand God's mission as not just something that God is doing in the world, but something he wants to do in us that has everything to do with his goodness. And so we go to answer the question, what is the mission of God? And just as Nodell read for us earlier, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and a new life has begun. All of this is a gift of God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Pay attention to that word world. We're going to come back to that. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. When we talk about mission as the Hope Collective, we take these verses as the best submission that we can find in Scripture, and specifically this word, reconciliation. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Now, this word has taken on some cultural and social connotations, that we're going to need to kind of uh, nuance when we look at the definition of reconciliation from Scripture. Reconciliation is not just a ceasing of hostilities between two parties. Reconciliation is also not just making sure that two parties are in harmony with one another. At its core, this idea of reconciliation has this idea of making good again. To reconcile something means to make it good again. And that captures this idea that things were good once. If you have to make it good again, then it was good once, but it's not good now. But it can be made good again. So when we talk about the mission of God and what is God doing in the world, we say that he is reconciling all things to himself in Jesus. He is making all things good again in Jesus. And that is something that God is doing in the world. But it's also something he wants to do 
in us. So when we look at God's mission in the world and his reconciling work in the world, we can go to the very first chapters of scripture, Genesis 1 and 2, where we see over and over and over again that there is a good God who created a good world with a good future. God creates everything, he orders it, and he fills it with potential and beauty and goodness just waiting to be tapped into, and then he creates humans. And he invites them to be his partners in seeing the goodness of creation unfold into every corner of what he has made beginning in this garden called Eden. In Genesis 2, 15, it explicitly says that when God created humans, he put them in this garden to do two things, to tend it and to watch over it. Other translations have this idea of to cultivate and to keep, to bring forth good things and to keep out bad things. This was humanity's first calling to bring forth the goodness that was present in God's creation and to protect it against any harm that might come its way. That was what we were created to do. That was God's intended purpose, is for us to enjoy and expand God's goodness into every corner of creation. But those of us who are familiar with the Bible story or are paying attention enough to our own lives and the world around us know that goodness isn't the whole story. Something has gone terribly wrong. And so that's why in Genesis 3, God lets us know what happened as humanity stands before the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Up to this point, humanity has been taking their cues for what is good and what is not from God himself. And now they are presented with an opportunity to be like God and call the shots. To be the ones who determine good and evil on their own terms. And in taking from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, decide that they want to play God themselves, but that burden proves too much for them to handle. Too much for us to handle. And all of a sudden, shame and fear and violence and sin enters into the story. And not only is humanity damaged by our sin, but all creation is vandalized by humanity's rebellion. To this day, it is said through scripture that the creation is crying out for its redemption and for its reconciliation to be made good again. And so this damage is wrought by humanity where we ourselves are broken and creation is broken, but that is not the end of the story. Because God in his goodness begins to move towards humanity once again to invite them to be restored. And this is not something that just begins in the New Testament. This is actually the entire story of the Old Testament is God's movement towards humanity and an invitation to come back to him. This is why he saves a holy remnant through Noah and the flood. This is why he plucks a man from obscurity named Abram and promises to make him a great nation. This is why he reveals himself to Isaac and Jacob. This is why he makes a covenant with people through Moses. This is why he makes a covenant and a promise towards King David and a monarchy that comes to rule his people. This is why he speaks to the prophets over and over and over again, all with this invitation to be brought back into a relationship with himself, for a relationship to be made good again so that he can use his people to bring goodness into the world once again. 
This story didn't start with Jesus, but Jesus was the fulfillment of it. God has always desired to invite his people to be a part of his reconciling work in the world. When he calls Abram in Genesis 12, he calls Abram and says, Abram, I will take you, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to the nations. When he calls his people out of Egypt and rescues them and makes a covenant promise with them, he says that Israel in Exodus 19.6, he says that they will be a priestly kingdom. There was a priest in the nation of Israel, the high priest, who served as a mediator between the people and God and between God and the people. And just like there was one priest in the nation that functioned in that way, God's desire for Israel was that they would be a priest among the nations, that they would represent the nations to God and God to the nations. Even when we fast forward to Isaiah, when God's people have lost their way and have turned their backs on him, Isaiah says that my desire for God's people, God's desire for them is that they would be a light to the nations. Something that would draw each and every person back into a right relationship with God. This has always been God's intention. His desire, his mission in the world, his purpose has been to bring all things back to good. But here's the problem is time and time and time and time again, God's desire to work through his people is always sabotaged by his people's unwillingness to let God do his work in them. And so we see over and over and over again a gracious God moving to his people with an invitation to a restored purpose and either people trying to engage in that purpose without having the character and power of God in them or because they don't have God's character in them, they don't even care. It seems that humanity is too stuck in its brokenness and entrapped by its sin to be able to get out of their own way and really press into the purpose that God created them for in the beginning. And so Jesus enters the story. And through his life, death, and resurrection breaks the stranglehold of sin on the human heart and invites us to be restored in our souls so that we can be restored to the purpose and the intention that God created us for, which is to join his mission in the world, to reconcile all things to himself. And so even though humanity was created in goodness and damaged by evil, Through a relationship with Jesus, there is this restored purpose that comes in, reconciliation that doesn't just apply to a restored relationship, but to a restored identity, to a restored purpose, and to a restored soul. What does it look like, not just for my relationship with God to be good again, but for me to be made good again? And oftentimes we talk about the work that God has done in our lives as this idea, this word of salvation, which is a beautiful word and a word that we often think about as this moment of rescue, right? Something was happening and you are saved, you are rescued. We think about this as this moment in our lives and in our stories when we move from darkness to light, when we move from death to life, that is salvation, this moment of rescue, but that's not all that salvation entails. This word that we have translated as salvation, the root of that word is the same root that gives us the word salve, A salve is a healing ointment. It's something that brings wholeness and health and restoration to something that has been damaged and wounded. 
Salvation is not just a moment of rescue, but salvation in scripture also refers to the process of healing. Call it sanctification, call it healing. But that's why scripture can talk about this idea that we are saved and being saved at the same time. We are rescued and we are invited into this process of healing and restoration. And we see this come to us in places like 1 Corinthians 1.18, Romans 13.1, that the story of our soul is the story of salvation. To have this moment of rescue and to be on this journey of being restored to what God always created us to be. This process of being healed, this process of being restored, this process of becoming everything that God always intended us to be is the story of spiritual formation. And God does all of this in us because there is so much that he wants to do with us and through us. And so we go back to this idea in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. Again, we read in verse 17 that this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. This is that moment of rescue. This is salvation, that instant. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift of God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. He has invited us into the mission of seeing all things restored to him. Because we go on and we read in verse 19, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That word world in the original language is the word cosmos. It's the same word that we get cosmic from. And we read world here, but world doesn't mean just the people of the world. World doesn't mean just the planet. This word cosmos means everything. Like all things. Like all of them. There is something that God is doing through Christ that is so far beyond anything that we can imagine and seeps into every corner of God's created world, which is the universe. And so when we talk about the reconciling work of God and what God is doing in the world, this isn't just my personal relationship with God. That's part of it. But to reconcile all things, to bring all things back to good, means not just my relationship with God, but every single part of me the way that I think, the things that I love, the things that I'm afraid of, the way that I feel, the way that I relate to other people. God's reconciling work and bringing all things back to good has as much to do as how we relate to him as we relate to ourselves, as we relate to others, as groups of people relate to one another. God's mission is as much about politics and economics and nature itself as it is about us. And yet sometimes we are so in our own stories and so self-absorbed in our own thing that we fail to realize the cosmic significance of what Jesus is doing everywhere. And so when we talk about God's mission, we talk about this idea that we have been invited to be reconciled to God, to be made good again in every part of us so that we could be part of his mission to reconcile all things to himself. Verses 20 and 21, we are ambassadors, Christ's ambassadors, residing in one kingdom but representing another, and God is making his appeal to the world through us. And so we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. 
come back into a relationship with him, find the source of goodness once again, and be made whole again. God's mission is made possible because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and we are able to join God's mission as people and as a church. And this is what we believe is kind of a pivotal moment where we're at as a church, where we've talked for years now about what does it look like for us to join God's mission in the world, because there is so much that he wants to do with us and through us. And as much as we are having those conversations at the same time, we need to have the conversations of how do we join God's mission in here? How do I join God's desire to make me more like his child, make me more like Jesus? So when we talk about the purpose of spiritual formation as this idea of mission and God's reconciling work in the world to make all things good again, what I would leave you with is that the purpose of spiritual formation is for the goodness of God to saturate every single part of our lives. Spiritual formation can sound like this big intimidating thing, this like, what in the world is that? But at the end of the day, here's what it is. If spiritual formation is the process of becoming more like Jesus, the purpose of all of that, the purpose of spiritual formation is for the goodness of God to saturate every single part of your life that you would experience God's goodness in every fiber of your being and you would express it in everything you do. That is our heart as a church. It's we wanna help you experience that. We wanna equip you to say yes to that. That's the invitation that's here over these next eight weeks is are you ready and willing and have the desire to see the goodness of God saturate every single part of your life so that you could experience it in every fiber of your being and you could express it in everything you do? That's where we're headed. That's where we're doing this series. Because at the end of the day, this idea of God's purpose and spiritual formation is going to shape everything else that we talk about over these next eight weeks. And so for us to understand that this is about the goodness of God is the place we have to start. Because when we go on from here and talk about discipleship, when we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, when we talk about what it means for our humanity to inform the way that we engage our spiritual formation, when we talk about what spiritual maturity is, what spiritual growth is, when we talk about spiritual disciplines, when we talk about the role of the church, all of it comes down to this purpose, which is for us to experience the goodness of God in every area of our life. That's where we're headed, and that's what we're aiming for, and we want to invite you to be a part of that journey. So we've said a lot, and we've talked about a lot over these past 30 minutes, and I gave you fair warning. I see some of you now shifting and going for the paper in the, in the seat back in front of you. What stood out to you from our time together? I'm going to ask you to take that piece of paper that's in the seat back in front of you, or if you're taking notes on your phone, in this moment, I'm going to ask you, what is one thing that stood out to you from the message today? And I'm going to ask you to write that down. I'm going to give you about uh, a minute to do that. And then you're going to share that with somebody next to you. And I'll give you some instructions after that. But right now, go ahead and take that thing that you're using to take notes or grab that, uh, those message notes in front of you. Write your answer to the question, what is one thing 
that stood out to you from the message today? All right, go ahead and finish up. And whether what you wrote down was just a word or maybe a phrase or a whole sentence, doesn't matter. What matters is the fact that we are taking things and thinking about what God is doing in these spaces. And so whatever you wrote down, I'm gonna invite you now to find somebody next to you, not, not right now, but in just a moment. I'm gonna invite you to find somebody next to you and just share that one thing with them. And so pair up, maybe it's someone you know, maybe it's somebody that you don't. If you don't know them, introduce yourself. Great way to start. Uh, and just share it. Hey, uh, somebody go first. Here's the one thing that stood out to me from the message today. Person one, you share. Person two, you are allowed to say one thing in response. So I need you, I need you to, to, I need to make sure I have everybody's attention here. You are allowed to say one thing in response. And that one thing is this. Tell me more. That's it. Tell me more. Give them an opportunity to share a little bit more of why this stood out to them today. Take a couple minutes to do that and then switch places. Person number two, say, okay, uh, here's the one thing that stood out to me from the message today. And then person number one, you are allowed to say one thing. Tell me more. And take a minute or two to do that. So I'm gonna, we'll give us about five minutes uh, to do this. That's about as long as it'll take. I'll give us a call halfway through to kind of make the transition. But find somebody now and share your one thing with them. All right, everyone, go ahead and start wrapping up your conversations. You don't have to go back to your seat. Just make sure you got a place to be. Now, it's simple exercises like this that get us into the habit of not just being people who hear the word, but people who think about it, who really take it in, who talk about it, and then who go and do something about it. And it's these kind of practices, different things that you guys will be invited to be a part of over these next eight weeks that are gonna be a way of teaching ourselves how do we be part of what God wants to do in us as much as he wants to do something through us. So this week, if you need a little direction on kind of what to do with this, here's what I'd invite you to do is read Psalm 1. Psalm 1, every day this week, Read it through at least once every day this week. Some of you are like, wait, once a day? It's like six verses. It's okay. So it's a, it's, a, it's a very quick read. But read Psalm 1 every day this week. And allow your thoughts and your imagination to be brought to the images that it gives us. So that's the first thing. Read Psalm 1 every day this week. And then just kind of as you're going about your days, notice the trees that are around you. This is a beautiful season to be noticing what's going on. Yes, is that Luke Dahlberg? Of course it is. Yes. This is going to be Luke Dahlberg's favorite series. I could already. So pay attention. Just notice the trees, these things that you probably see every day, but don't actually take the time to notice. And as you do, ask the question, God, what is it that you want to reveal about myself through this thing and about what it means for me to grow and become more like Jesus?
know, as we talk about the purpose of spiritual formation today, that purpose kind of gives us the boundaries and gives us a pattern that we live our lives into as we go about our lives. And that's going to be what we'll be talking about next week. So thank you for being here. We love you, Hope Collective, and we are looking forward to doing this journey together. You're dismissed. Have a great week. Thanks for spending time with the Hope Collective. If you appreciated this message, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. You can also leave a rating or review, which will help other listeners find us online. Thanks again for joining us.